It's time for the Deuce with Jimmy Chavez on 1620 The Zone. All the headlines you need in two minutes or less. Yes, Omaha women's basketball is in fact playing for a conference championship in an automatic NCAA tournament bid today. The six-seeded Mavs beat Kansas City yesterday and will face top-seeded South Dakota State. Winners of 20 straight to win 18-0 in Summit League play. Tip-off in Sioux Falls is at 1 o'clock. You can hear the game in 1180 The Zone and actually watch it on your television on ESPNU. Nebraska Balls' Jamarcus Lawrence was selected as the Big Ten Conference Freshman of the Week for the first time in his career. He averaged 15 points on 63% shooting, nearly five rebounds, and three and a half assists per game in two games last week. He set or tied season highs in points, field goals made, assists, and three-pointers in helping the Huskers to a road win over Iowa, as well as the loss to Michigan State. He's the first Husker to receive a Big Ten Weekly Award this season of any kind and is Nebraska's first freshman honored since Bryce McGowan's won the award eight times last season. Nebraska baseball opens a 10-game homestand today with a two-game series against Northern Colorado Hawks Field, 4.05 today, 2.05 tomorrow. The rest of the homestand includes three games this weekend with Illinois State, one game next week against Omaha, and four games next weekend against Nichols. In the NFL, you heard just before the end of yesterday's show, Derek Carr headed to New Orleans to play for the Saints. He has agreed to a four-year contract that could be worth up to $150 million. Looks like the Chiefs will not be using their franchise tag on left tackle Orlando Brown. That means he'll become a free agent. Brown and the Chiefs couldn't agree on a long-term contract last offseason, so he played this past season under the franchise tag, earning about $16.5 million. Two sides have until March 13th to work out terms before Brown can begin negotiating with other teams. Another player who might not be be returning to the Super Bowl champions is defensive end Frank Clark. It's looking likely that they will release him. Two players who received the franchise tag yesterday, Cowboys running back Tony Pollard and Jaguars tight end Evan Ingram and the Ravens and Lamar Jackson have until 3.30 today to get something done. Otherwise, they'll put the franchise tag on him. Orlando Brown would look really good in the Chicago Bears uniform. You know what? I think you have a good chance to get him. That might be one of their big ticket items I think the, with I think, the seller cap. Yeah, I think the Bears or the Patriots would be a spot mm-hmm. for Orlando Brown. And the, and the Chiefs. So, you know, I mean, before there's addition, there's deletions, and all of a sudden yeah. contracts disappear, and the it's just a piece of paper. Now, essentially it's not. I mean, you're getting paid and all that stuff, but you guys know what I mean, is that cap is movable. The Saints were $49 million in the <laughs> hole, mm-hmm. and they just did the deal with Derek Carr. So the cap could be maneuvered. Yes. But the Orla- Orlando Brown, like the Frank Clark is not surprising because that's too much of a hit. Um, and, you know, he's been he's been great in the postseason. He's got two two Super Bowl championships. Thank you. But this is the part of doing business, and you have to move on. The Orlando Brown is a little bit surprising because I thought they would work out a deal. Um, but they must really like a couple of offensive tackles that they saw at the combine. I mean, uh, Jones from Ohio State, who's got one of the longest wingspans we've seen in a while, or Houston, the tackle for a starter for three years at Oklahoma, where Creed Humphrey was. Hmm. They must like them at 32 and start with, you know, a, a guy that's going to protect the the backside of Patrick Mahomes and Wiley. You got to keep on the other side. But I, I think you have a good shot with Orlando Brown. Yeah. I think Orlando Brown in Chicago would be a really good fit. Yeah. I would like, well, I mean, thinking of the offensive linemen and some of the guys that, you know, hopefully are getting healthy too, that would be a, a huge addition because it, it's always the shiny toys that I know a lot of fans get excited about during free agency when you do have a cap situation that Chicago has right now. But 
if you want to know exactly what you have at Justin Fields, you got to start at the front. you got to start right there and then work your way out because there'll be a name or two that uh, they look at with wide receiver as well. But if they're looking to also address that in the draft, I, I would I would look at the the high end free agent offensive lineman first and foremost. After the Chiefs lost to Tampa Bay and the way they lost in that Super Bowl, look what they did exactly yeah. after that, and it's paid off ever since. And if people are worried, oh, they're going to release Frank Clark, hey, that that team, that management team knows exactly what they're doing. Look what happened with yeah, the Tyreek Brett, Hill deal, and they won another Brett, Super Bowl. Brett Veach is he's he's good at his job. Uh, the, the only thing I worry about is it is a little bit different blocking for Patrick Mahomes. He's not the normal quarterback, and so that takes a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Frank Clark, not surprising. Orlando Brown, just a little bit, because I thought Veach's comments last week in Indy that they could have got something done, but they must be far, far apart. It's the part of doing business. I mean, Geno Smith, good on him. Yeah. At the age of 33, gets mm-hmm. a three-year, $105 million deal. It, it, makes it, it makes a couple of quarterback deals like Mahomes look cheap and, or the Ravens look really bad that they had Lamar for six for 133. Yeah. And now you wonder what they're going to do in the first round. I mean, are they still going to pursue a quarterback? Because they got two first-round picks. Are you going to go back into the first round? Uh, feeling like you got Geno? Yeah. Feeling oh. like you got Geno now that you still do address quarterback at some point here? Because uh, they were one of those teams that was considered to be possibly in the mix of looking for one of the guys that we've talked about. We talked about Richardson the other day. And, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I think now that's probably off. I mean, mm-hmm. You would think so. Well, he You're would, investing in that. You'd be sitting him for a while. Yeah. You don't pay Geno Smith three years, 105, yeah, yeah. to play for one year. Unless you don't feel – yeah, and that's – and see yeah, that you, – you don't, No, you don't make a you're, commitment. You're not, you don't make yeah. a commitment and then go draft another quarterback. If you, you think he, to build a team. If you think he is, okay, a one-year – you know, just flash in the pan, everything worked out, you're not financially committing like that. So, yeah, I, I, I think that pretty much takes Seattle out of it. But hmm? You think they'll draft the quarterback then? I, I'm still keeping an eye on what they could do at that, the back end of the first round. I wouldn't completely rule it out. I think yesterday's news definitely makes it more unlikely than what it was, but I don't know. That's I, a, I mean, so. you just hand a massive contract, and that's three years, $105 million. It is. It's a great story, I mean, where Geno Smith was to get that mm-hmm. deal as a comeback uh, player of the year. But now the get-in price for a quarterback in the NFL is $40 million. Like, Daniel Jones is yep. up next, and it's 40 to 45 is being rumored, and people are going, whoa, is he a 40 to $45 million quarterback? It's now the price of business for a quarterback in the NFL is $40 million. And you hope that you have a good contract, and it doesn't absolutely handicap you because, look it, Ryan Tannehill's cap hit is 38 mil this year. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill, 38 mil is the cap hit in wow. Tennessee. The, the Titans should not only be shopping Derrick Henry to start over, they should be shopping Tannehill as yeah. well. I, I would agree. And Lamar, that's not going to be resolved anytime soon. That's an 11th hour situation yeah, right there. If that. It's not good. Uh, not good is Allen Iverson's response to uh, Matt Rule. I don't know if you guys have heard that or not. Matt Rule yesterday was talking about practice being mm-hmm. the most important thing they do. And uh, Iverson said, Rule, we're talking about practice. Practice. We ain't talking about a game. We're talking about practice, man. Um, but Matt Rule, who is all in on practice, my, Matt Rule is a micromanager. And sometimes that is a negative connotation. Yeah. You say, well, you got your hands in everything. Matt Rule is a, he's a micromanager. His hands are in every part of Nebraska football. And probably 
to make the whole operation as a Fortune 500 company run, you got to have somebody that says, I'm going to be involved in everything. I'm not going to trust my lieutenants to take care of things. I want to know what's going on at all times, and this is what I do, and this is what I want implemented. So in this case, probably as a difference from the previous regime, it's okay. And you've probably seen the result of punctuality as being uh, asked, accountability, you know, because the coach is there all the time. Um, but his comment about practice, he can control practice. He can't control the game. But he can control practice, which hopefully makes the game easier. But the bigger thing to me that he said about practice is that he wants recruits to come watch practice. I mean, the timing of the big late March, or we're already into March, end of this month when the recruits are here so they can watch a practice. You've gone to practice, Jimmy, you've gone to practice, I've gone to practices. You can tell if a coach runs a good practice or yeah. not. Yep. How organized it is, mm-hmm. how how on point players are. How many people are just standing around doing nothing as opposed to people constantly doing stuff. But all of those things, that's a direct reflection on the head coach and his organization. You know, to put a practice plan together and then implement it and guys know what they're doing. And a bad practice scenario is pretty evident right away. Guys don't know what they're doing. There's a lot of explaining. You know, everybody's going to teach. There's a lot of teaching going on. That's part of practice. But just knowing what, where you're supposed to be, where you're going. Lollygagging. Yeah, and also to see. But then good practices are coaches are there teaching, okay? Guy makes a mistake, you're teaching. You either pull him aside or you teach on the fly. You know, you're always hands-on, and it's moving. And it's never like just standing around and there's no idle time. There's always something going on. Right. So to the eye of the person that is like a non-football or non-basketball or wherever practice you might go to, it's pretty evident if it's a good practice or not. So him saying he wants recruits to come watch them practice, I think it's pretty eye-opening because he's pretty confident that they're going to practice well and you're going to get a better sense of who these coaches are by watching them hands-on on the field. Not on the sidelines trying to win a game they can't control, but control a situation in practice where they can be definitely hands-on. I think that's another like little insight into how Matt Rule operates as a micromanager that he's so confident that practice is the number one thing, that they run practice correctly, that when you come to watch, you're going to learn not only more about what kind of a team they have, but also the people that are putting on the practice. And there are a lot of coaches that don't want outsiders at practice because they get exposed. He just yesterday said, I wish he would have said to media and fans, <laughs> but he said to recruits, yeah. I want you to come watch us practice. Now, recruits, not all of them know if it's good practice or not, but they've been in good practices. They can tell if guys are like, they don't know what they're doing. They're just standing around. They're not utilizing their ability. Um, that's he, He's not afraid to show people a little bit behind the curtain, which is, hasn't always been the case around here. You're, you're being taught. You know, first and foremost, in good practices, as you pointed out, which that is something that as a young player, I think you identify. And I think when you're looking at going to a place like Nebraska where you don't have the track record of success to the tune of, you know, a lot of bowl uh, bowl games here as of late, six win or plus six plus win seasons where you're being sold the development, the Matt Rule style of coaching and being developed. So from the time you land to the time you leave the program, you're going to be a much better player. You can see that in practices if it's ran the right way. You can see that, as you point out, taking them off to the side or just teaching, being very hands-on. 
that goes with the development. So there's the intensity that's always going to be involved, maybe maybe a fun element to practices. When I when I think of what made Pete Carroll so great at USC was he energy. was able the exactly the energy being able to continue to engage with the players. They were constantly flying around. They're moving up and down the field. You know, the whole motion creates emotion. Not one guy was sitting doing nothing. They're all doing stuff. It looked like, it looked fun. It's a hard game. It's a, it's a it's a it's a grown man's game. Yet it looked fun. It looked like they were fully engaged. And you had all kinds of, of different personalities, and everyone is on the same page. That can translate with I think even some of the youngest players that maybe as you pointed out, Sharpie, that don't necessarily know what a great practice is compared to, you know, maybe a good practice. But when you can see the fun, you can see some intensity and most importantly, the teaching element that sort of aligns itself with the developmental reputation that Matt rule has. And so I do think it is a head coach that is doubling down on what he said from the get go of how they're going to build this thing and how they're going to try to be successful as a program. You know what I would do all of these youth organizations out there from basketball to hockey to the baseball, the volleyball, the, you know, whatever sport, and youth sports, all of these different fantastic academies that are all throughout our, our area and do so many good things, I would open up my practices to the public. You, you know, uh, you've heard me talking about Omaha Sports Academy, mm-hmm. and they do this, and there are other basketball academies that do it. If I'm trying to recruit you on that level, on the youth, we're talk, you know, we just talked about college. If I'm trying to recruit you on the youth level, what better way to recruit you than saying, I know you're not part of our organization yet, but... Hey, come watch our eighth grade practice tonight. They'll make an impression on you. Huh. After that, you'll be like, I yeah. really want to be part of that okay, one. Day. I see what that coach, he knows what he's doing. Okay. I I, I think that was, uh, there. there's like, I went below the surface on things that Matt Rule said yesterday. You know, I brought up to Sam the comment about the locker room and giving speech, speeches. That one about, uh, you had to go deeper than him just saying practice is the most important thing we do. When he then went and he, he kind of, Tied it into Dylan Riola a little bit without saying anything about Dylan. He was careful. (laughs) He was very careful. Basically said, "Come watch how the sausage is made." If you're a recruit, Mm -hmm. you got questions about us. Come watch. A lot of coaches that yeah, you're supposed to have recruits at practice because that's what you're supposed to do, and they stand on the sideline. He's openly like, "Hey, come here, come here, and you'll see what we're all about. Our identity." Uh, Again, he's 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 very enlightening. Um, Connor Connor call him what a football nerd. I call him a micromanager. Who yeah. just kind of gets it, especially at a place like this that wants so much football. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's fair. But, but the fact that he explains the why will help him when we get to the why in the fall and we ask, why didn't you win? Why didn't this happen? So he's establishing that he's going to answer the why. And I even believe in adversity when the fall happens and things aren't going as well as they're going now, that he'll continue to explain it. And well, that's a huge... Huge step in, again, reaching out to the fan base first and saying, I'll make the first move instead of you making the first move. Well, it's interesting you bring that up, the micromanager of the negative connotation, because I'm assuming everybody in this room has had some type of running with a micromanager in some walk of life. How many of the micromanagers that you've ever worked with where you kind of walk away like, come on, man, have ever explained the why? Of no 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 this is how I do it uh uh-uh, uh that's not how we're doing it. this is how we do it how many of them actually explain the why yeah. that is where I think you can take somebody who is is detailed hell he led off the press conference thanking people in the video department thanking guys like Nick Burkhart you know it, it, that's that Former to me Omaha showed Maverick. exactly 
That, to me, shows me he's got his hand in everything, but it's not a bad thing. He's overseen everything. He wants to know what's going in, what's going out. But if you are saying why, you're letting everyone know this is why. This is what that, – that goes a long way because it gives you an idea of this is what he's about. gives you a little bit more idea of what you should expect and kind of the, the, the standard that you're holding yourself to as well. It's as long as it's positioned the right way, which I, I get the feeling it is at least as of now – that can, that can be a very powerful environment. I really feel that way. All right. Brian Christopherson, Darren DeVries, coming up in the uh, last hour of uh, Mornings with Sharp and Hanley on 1620 The Zone.